Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of Clothed Men Discuss Bare Naked Ladies. This week we are going to be discussing the Bare Naked Ladies 10th studio album, Grinning Streak. I am Ephraim Ellis, and this week I am wearing blue jeans and socks with cats and balls of yarn on them. It's quite adorable. I like those socks. And a cream t-shirt with art by Canadian cartoonist Kate Beaton on it, depicting Louis Riel, and the phrase, what you and I have is so real and little hearts around his face. In case you guys didn't know, this is a very Canadian podcast. And I am Chris Small, and I am wearing some leggings, because it's winter in Australia, with some shorts over top of them, a Chicago Cubs baseball cap, and an MGM t-shirt. That does not make me a fan of Jeff Bezos. That's just unfortunate timing. I just like the MGM studio. I really hope that they go back to producing James Bond movies at, like, a decent clip. Like, not one every year. That would be crazy. But like the, like the six, seven year gap, I don't like it. I really hope that they just reboot the Stargate franchise. Oh, you're speaking right to my heart, Chris. Oh my God. Oh. If they put some money into Stargate, it won't forgive the atrocities of Jeff Bezos, but you know, I'll maybe I'll get an Amazon Prime account. Who knows? <laughs> Has this never come up in our friendship? Did you watch SG-1 when you were when you were a kid? Oh, absolutely. Me and my like really close group of childhood friends that I've known since I was uh, eight years old, the Stargate SG-1 box sets were always just staples of our weekend. And I'm talking about the box sets where back in the day where DVD box sets weren't really a thing. So they'd just be huge and chunky and take up like half of a section of your bookcase because and each <laughs> DVD cover had only like one DVD in it and there were only two episodes on it. I just got rid of the first six seasons of my copy of that show in that format because Megan was really cool and got me like all 10 seasons in like a small cube oh, yeah. box set for Christmas this year because we just started rewatching that show and it holds up. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. And I mean, Jason Momoa, how he got his start. So that is true. That is true. We have not started watching Atlantis yet, but I forgot that that was where that international celebrity got his start. How many viewers do you think have already dropped out of this episode? They're like, I came to listen to the Bare Naked Ladies. And this is now a Stargate podcast, everyone. And uh, you're just going to have to go along for the ride. Welcome to our MGM Pictures Stargate SG-1 podcast. Oh, gee, it's SG with Chris and Ephraim. <laughs> OMG, it's the OGSG? Nailed it. All right, subscribe to there our Patreon, guys, and you will be able to get 27 episodes. Welcome back to our Purely Bare Naked Ladies podcast. This week, we are discussing the 10th studio album that the Bare Naked Ladies produced their second without the presence of Stephen Page. Grinning Streak, excellent album, I love it. Released June the 4th, 2013. We're getting closer to the present day. That's weirding me out. It's also weirding me out that 2013 really does feel like it was more recently than eight years ago. Oh. God, yeah, it does feel like it was only yesterday. I remember, I have very clear and precise memories of where I was when I was listening to this album the first time, and the second and the third time. Like, it just does feel like, you know, not eight years ago. Yeah. The number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 the week of June 4th, 2013, was Can't Hold Us by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Good song. Well, the number one song of 2013 was Thrift Shop by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Yep. That checks out. Those songs were everywhere. I do remember Can't Hold Us, very good song. For a New York minute, The Rulers of the Universe, an amazing uh, now defunct sketch group that we as the Rocket Scientists did a couple of shows with, they would use that as their closing out music, and it was great. <laughs> oh, really? I don't remember that. All I remember was that their opening was always the Queen song, Princes of the Universe, but they just bleeped out the word princes. Born to be kings with Rulers. Um, it was really, really good. I do not remember Can't Hold Us at all. I do remember Thrift Shop, though, because I'm pretty sure everyone remembers Thrift Shop. Oh, hells yeah. <laughs> the number one song on the Canadian Billboard charts of 2013 was Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke, featuring T.I. and Farrell? Really? It was, yeah, T.I. and Farrell. It was, everyone remembers that song, but for very bad reasons now. That song has not aged well. It absolutely has not, but I absolutely did not ever clock that T.I. and 
Farrell were involved in that song. Yes, they have since quickly denounced that song. I, it, it is a very interesting, really? like, yeah, I mean, God, I mean, the, the whole song and lyrics are very problematic. But I find it very interesting that that song just really did propel Robin Thicke into the public eye. Whereas before, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure everyone's heard of Robin Thicke, but listeners outside of Canada, he is the son of Alan Thicke, who is a beloved Canadian actor. He was the dad on Growing Pains. And Alan Thicke was pretty much Canada's dad, very much like how Gord Downey was Canada's uncle. And I feel like Alan Thicke was the bigger celebrity. So when Robin Thicke began his career, it was, oh, that's Alan Thicke's kid. And then when Robin Thicke became a name, it was, oh, that's Robin Thicke's dad. I just remember when first Robin Thicke came to prominence, I said to myself, oh, his last name is Thicke. Surely he's not related to Alan Thicke. I mean, it's a weird last name, but you know, what are the odds? Oh, never mind. He's his dad. <laughs> the odds are, eh? Oh, lots of positive things to say about that song. There were three singles from this album, which I think was a pretty darn good choice. Uh, Boomerang, Odds Are, and Did I Say That Out Loud. Mm-hmm. Boomerang debuted at number 30 on the Canadian Adult Contemporary Chart, moved up to number 11, staying there for a full 18 weeks. Damn, that's pretty good. And the music video apparently was a contest with fan submissions to determine the winning video? Yeah, apparently they gave like a five grand grand prize to the winner. Now, sadly, I actually haven't seen that video because the first video that they released was one of those lyric music videos. It was actually one of the first lyric music videos I had seen because that really became a thing for a while. Do you do you like lyric music videos? I don't mind them. I find that, I mean, usually when I'm listening to something on YouTube, it's normally background. Like if I'm watching a music video or if I'm listening to music on YouTube, I've usually got the tab minimized and I'm working. So for that reason, it's okay. Some of them are creative, but usually the lyric music video will come out before the official one. So it's a chance to listen to the song earlier, I guess. But what are your thoughts? I feel I feel like most people do what you do and have the tab minimized to listen to it. So I just kind of don't get the point of having them as a video because most of the people aren't watching the video on the lyric video. They're just watching it to stream the music. Listen, someone's Adobe Creative Suite was about to expire and they're like, well, we better renew this and make the most out of it and we'll post it to YouTube. Somebody's got to make use of that graphic design webinar that they paid thousands of dollars for. LinkedIn Learning. (laughs) Odds Are was a pretty big hit as well. I love that song. We'll get to that later. Which debuted at number 43 on the Adult Rock Chart, number 49 on the Hot Adult Contemporary Chart, and number 46 before climbing to number 15 on the Canadian Adult Contemporary Charts. It was written with Kevin Griffin of Better Than Ezra. Better Than Ezra. I've definitely heard of that band, but for the life of me, I would never be able to name a song by them. I thought I could name exactly one song by them but I can't. I can name half a song, apparently, and it's odds are, so there you go. It was also used as the theme song to the sitcom Working the Angles, which is about a daughter trying to keep her dad's successful law firm afloat to support their family, which, you know, kind of makes sense with the lyrical content of that song. I think that show was shot in Toronto, which might make sense why they had some Canadian music as the theme music. Yeah, it was created by Kate Ford, and I think like half of the cast was Canadian as well. Yeah, very Toronto-centric, so I think it only lasted about 12 episodes, but, you know, they'd have success later with sitcom theme songs. There was a show that they did a theme song for that lasted a few more episodes than 12. So, And now I have a weird memory that I'm like, wait, was it shot in Toronto or was it shot in Montreal? Because I'm pretty sure I had one or two auditions for some day player parts oh, yeah. on Working the Angles. And I have a weird, vague memory connection thinking that, oh, it shoots in Montreal. Oh, if I got this job, I get to go to Montreal for a couple weeks. That'd be a nice little plus. But, like, maybe I'm mixing that up with another show. Eh. Anyway, this album was a pretty big hit in North America. And it peaked at number 12 on the Canadian Albums Chart, number 10 on the Billboard 200, number 5 on the Rock Album Charts, and 10th overall in top album sales of 2013. That's huge, man. That's actually really big for an album that late in their discography. I feel like maybe that has something to do with the fact that they've had that five or six year period of easing into the post-Steven Page era and people have become confident with them again as they have risen with confidence in themselves. Yeah, I could definitely see that. There's something, there is something to be said about, you know, they've got staying power at that point because it could technically, in other circumstances, it might, you know, signal, you know, the death rattle of a band but with that confidence and with you know more albums being released yeah you have other people tuning in to say maybe I'll give this a shot and also now that I think about it I think this is the longest that they've gone between records as well because like Our Men came out in 
early 2007 mm-hmm. to 2010. So that's only like three-ish years. Yeah. And then, yeah, this is a four-year gap. Yeah, true, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. Because I do I do remember specifically thinking like, oh, sweet, a new Bare Naked Ladies album. It's been so long. Yeah, I remember there was a lot of anticipation. I was kind of similar to you. I kind of went, oh, but I mean, there was a lot of trepidation for me, too, because I was not a fan of All in Good Time. I do remember that. There, there was anticipation for me because I was a fan of All in Good Time. Yeah, what were you what were you thinking when this album was coming out? So I remember listening to this. I mean, we'll get right into it. This album is probably I said it last episode, but I stand by it, is in my top three and possibly my top two. I love this album. Re-listening to it this week was a joy. It's probably the album by of theirs that I listen to the most on repeat. Part of that is it actually goes on at a really nice clip. I think in terms of structure, it's amazing. Every song is exactly where it should be in this album. And And I just think it's so much more polished. It's got a level of confidence that the album prior didn't. My big gripe about All In Good Time was that it felt like a band suffering from an identity crisis and trying to figure out their voice. They've got their voice in this album. And to me, without spoiling future episodes, I think this is the high point of them as a four piece. For me, nothing has been as terrific as this album. This really is the album that, again, in my out of the 15 albums, in that top two or three spot and everything since then, I wouldn't say it's been a disappointment, but I'm still waiting for something to get to the highs of Gritting Streak. I agree completely, which means that I think that we're going to be agreeing with each other a lot more for the rest of the series than we did on the previous episode, which is fun because I like getting along friends doing podcasts together. Yes, all in good time, highly controversial episode. If that's as controversial as we get, it's all smooth sailing from here. And yet we were so polite to each other when we disagreed. It was a civil discourse. The mark of respect. And this record was the highest charting record that they've had since Everything to Everyone came out 10 years prior to this, which I think makes a lot of sense considering the very, very high quality. 100%. I've always been curious what Stephen Page would have thought about this album. Not in like a mean way, like, oh, I'm missing out, but the fact that it did so well commercially, it's it's very well done. And I would have thought that enough time would have passed at that point that, like, I I don't know, I guess I'm just speculating. And I've got this weird thing where, like, I always hope that people who work on projects and people who are, you know, who do TV shows or movies, and you can speak to this more because you're in that industry. I always just really hope that people backstage are friends. Maybe it's just like my, I really hope everyone gets along. So with this big public fallout. It happens, I, I feel like that happens more often than not. Like, Thank goodness too. But I think that with the very public fallout that the band had together, I'd hope that enough time has passed that, you know, Stephen Page would listen to this album or subsequent albums too and just kind of go, you know what, I'm happy for them. I wonder if he's able to listen to Post or if there's any interest to listen to Post him BNL records. Yeah, I definitely remember both during the uh, All in Good Time period and the subsequent number of years with the first two four-piece versions without Stephen Page, I definitely kind of like had made a hard choice of who I was going to continue following as a fan because <laughs> I only... I only recently started listening to Stephen Page's solo stuff. And, like, it's, I enjoy it, but I miss kind of, like, the whole group together yes. as a thing. I remember I was really, really into Stephen Page's single that came out in 2010 this, at the same time as All in Good Time. It was a really good song called Indecision. But okay. that's, I think, maybe, like, the only music of his I continued to to listen to after he left the Bare Naked Ladies. So I definitely made my, like, choice in that breakup of who I was staying friends with. Which I feel a bit bad about that, but yeah. But, you know, it's... It, I remember Stephen... Pa- I, I was kind of similar to you. I haven't really listened to any of Stephen Page's solo stuff, except for he did an amazing cover of Paranoid Android by Radiohead with, like, a 27-piece orchestra. And I remember it just came up into my recommended viewing on YouTube, and I watched that, and I went, oh, he's got such a good voice for that song. And it's so different than Tom York's, but he made it his mm. own. And I kind of went, oh, this is amazing. But then again... He's singing a song by another band that I love a lot. It's That's really not really getting into the territory of his solo career. But what, Was that with the Art of Time ensemble? It was, yes. Stephen Page and yeah. the Art of Time, that's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, before we get into the tracks, I think this was the first time that the two of us went to a concert of this band together. Yes. Was it, on the Grinning Street Tour. It yeah. was. That's right. I remember we went to go see them. And was this the one that Ben Folds was opening for them? I think it actually, yeah, I think it was because, yes. yeah, because that was definitely at the Molson Amphitheater. And it we was. saw that at the Molson Amphitheater. It was an outdoor show. And I do remember thinking, wait, Ben Folds is opening? I've always kind of thought of Ben Folds and Bare Naked Ladies as kind of being on the same playing field of famousness. Yes. So it felt weird that he was opening for them, and I think we made a joke earlier in the series about like, oh, surely on some of the American dates they switched it around or something like that. 100%. It's kind of like how pre-pandemic Hootie and the Blowfish had a residency in Vegas for a couple of months, and the Bare Naked Lays were opening for them, and I imagine <laughs> B&L are in the background being like, hey, you want to come to Toronto? We'll show you how it's really done. Did you know that the guy from Hootie and the Blowfish is a country singer now? Darius Rucker, that's right. He does a really good cover of wagon wheel that my wife listens to ad nauseum that's the one song of his that i know because i was going to, i was trying to add the original version of wagon wheel to a spotify playlist and then that version came up and i was like wait that guy's name sounds familiar hootie and the blowfish that's what happened to him yeah it's a very unique career choice i'll say mm-hmm. do you want to get into the tracks please yeah let's do it so the first track is limits I think that this song has a weird opening. It's very ominous. It's got that whoa, 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 whoa. And I remember, it's funny that you talk about, you know, oh, what were your thoughts when you first listened to this album? Because I hated All In Good Time so much. Hate's a strong word. I disliked it violently. When I disliked <laughs> All In Good Time violently, I came to this album, and when this, you know, whoa, 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 start, I just remember thinking, oh no, <laughs> what's gonna happen? But then it gets into it and I was really happy. Gets into the chorus, gets into Ed singing and I was immediately hooked. I think it's a really good opening track. I like it as well. I do think that it takes a while to get there, which I think is kind of weird. I'm not a huge fan of the womp, 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 womp opening. And I think it takes a little bit too long to get to the actual song part of the song. And the sound of that womp, 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 womp. There's quite a bit of electronic stuff on this album that I'm not a huge fan of. I think I know the exact track you're talking about when we get into yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to get to that into a bit. That being said, I still do love this record. It's just there's some of those influences I'm not a huge fan of. So when it does break into the more kind of traditional BNLE sound later in the song, there's like a keys breakdown that Kevin does towards the yes. end that like really reminds me of that more folksy earlier era BNL. and once they get to there I'm like oh yeah I'm all in this is great was it just like a nice like big comforting hug when you heard the harmonies of just the holding on you're like oh thank god there they are <laughs> oh it's so good it's so good and I still like that it's obviously Kevin's voice doing the backup yeah on a lot of the songs on this album yeah it's really really good so is this is this song just like an ode to trying hard I, you know what? It's funny because I think because how unique the opening is and because how it does that breakdown of keys at the beginning, like you said, in the harmonies, it's one of the few Bare Naked Lady songs I don't really pay attention to the lyrics to. And they're so good about their lyricism, but I think because it's got such a cool music breakdown in the middle, it's got that unique opening. Yeah, it, it's one that I really don't pay any mind to the lyrics, so I don't really have an interpretation of it. Yeah, and actually, I, I didn't really dig super duper deep into the lyrics on this album until recently, and I was very surprised and happy to find that there's quite a lot of really cool lyrical depth yes. on this album going forward that I did not notice before, so yeah again thanks for this podcast and helping me discover cool things about a band i really really like yeah this this album is really really feeling like a return to form to them almost as if someone's thrown them off into the distance and then it started arcing back towards the person who threw it not unlike throwing stick a boomerang but i'll come on back because i know
track two throwing stick, right? Yeah, exactly. One of those one of those traditional throwing sticks. You know about that. You're from Australia, right? Oh, everyone's armed with one of those. They issue one of those at customs when you sign your like. Well, I guess you're not a citizen when you get your green card, your Australian green card. It's part of the citizenship test. You have to throw it, and then if it comes back to you, that's how they know that you can stay in the country. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. And this is the national anthem of Australia too. So. Oh, the song Boomerang by Barry Ladies. Well, you know there was a petition for it by one person, me. Oh, interesting choice. I would have thought they'd go with uh, like Kylie Minogue or something like that. But that's fine. <laughs> I love this song. It is so damn catchy. This is the perfect single, and I did love it when it first came out, but this was, like, the song of my summer last summer. La- as in, like, like, 2020 last summer? Like, 2020 last summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. In- interesting. Yeah, I made, like, a summer driving playlist, and it wasn't a lot of songs. It was maybe, like, 100, 150 songs, but for some reason, this kept on coming up in the shuffle, mm. like, way more often. Just, I, I don't know why, just it was it was completely random that it did, but it came up so often. Often, and I loved it so much. Like, it was absolutely, like, the theme of my 2020 summer. I love this song. I don't know why it came up. It kept on coming back. That's why. So you'd throw it out there, and then it would just, yeah. I completely agree with you. I mean, there's a reason this was the lead-off single. It's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And... It's just, the lyrics are amazing. It's super catchy. It's also very short, and I think that works for it. It it only clips in at like two minutes and 34 seconds. It's it's probably one of their shortest songs, but I think for what it is, that's the perfect length. I agree completely. Super duper catchy. It's singly as hell. So damn poppy. And I really like the metaphor of the song. Yes. In the lyrics. Yeah, about this guy who has been thrown away by his, his lover, and you know, he's been dumped, but he's learned from his mistakes and has become a better person and is gonna try to winner back maybe i've convinced myself because i was gonna say so how do you feel about that narrative though because even though i do like the metaphor there is a part of me that's like eh, but like in the real world like she dumped you buddy like <laughs> let her make her choices very true i like to to agree with you on that part i'd like to think that you know he's not being a creepy obsessive i think it's more like they keep on getting back together because they realize that they can't stay apart i'm gonna go with Mm. that one do you also think that the line despite the pretty dress and curls you don't throw like other girls you follow through is he talking about her throwing a literal boomerang at that point is it literal and then theoretical i thought that was purely metaphorical that the throwing she was doing was him to the curb it totally is becomes and then he becomes the boomerang oh, in that metaphor but do you it, it's totally theoretical that part but i'm like but then do they also just add some literal boomerang references too as i was about to say what do you think that she's why what do you think she's throwing in this situation she could be throwing a boomerang you don't throw like other girls you follow through and that's how it comes back it could be both <laughs> i don't know buddy you sound like uh you got some weird ideas going on you sound like you're maybe a little off your head I love it. Did I did I write down the the actual correct name of that song? Uh probably. It is it is off his head? Okay, cool. I wasn't sure if the word daddy was in the It name is not. Of the thing. It, okay. Which I think is fine. <laughs> it definitely is in the lyrics though. Ad nauseum. Which looking closer at the lyrics of this song that I think is kind of okay. I'm th- this isn't one of my favorite tracks on this album. But the more I looked at the lyrics, I'm like as I originally thought that Oh, this is another weird love song. Why is Ed referring to himself as daddy in this relationship? That's kind of weird. I don't like it. But I'm thinking more maybe it's actually about a parent speaking to his kid, which makes it better. Yeah, I always thought it was about, yeah, a parent and a kid. Yes, also, sidebar, I completely agree. I think that the (laughs) use of daddy in a romantic and kinky term is something that should really go away. I'm not kink shaming anyone, but it's just a, (laughs) it's a word that I don't associate with sexiness. We're we're just establishing on air for everyone to hear that that is a kink that neither of us share. Yes. And and if you if you like being if if you like the word that's absolutely fine, but I am very <laughs> glad personally that Ed Robertson and choose to believe that uh, he's talking to his daughter and not a romantic partner. I think it's a weird one in terms of that daddy's off his head. I think it works. It's kind of cool. It, it is like you talked about those electronic tendencies. I think it's almost mm-hmm. like a weird sample they're repeating. But I think what saves it is Ed singing the hell out of the chorus. He is pushing his vocals and he's got so much emotion in those lyrics. Yeah, I, I think similar to every subway car that we were talking about last episode, there's some like really good acting from oh, yeah. 
Ed in his vocals in this song there's like a real real sense of vulnerability which I think makes a lot of sense if the song is about a parent finding out that their kid is going through a tough time and they don't know how to help them yes yeah because there's just the one the one stanza that made me realize oh wait no I, I maybe it actually is about a parent it was the and your daddy's off his head because he just heard what you said you're out of hope and wishing you were dead yeah yeah and this is like oh the story of the song makes sense to me now after I actually paid attention to that yes. And also the time that they were recording, it would have been around the time that Ed's daughter would have been around, you know, 13 or 14. So it kind of mm. checks out with that yeah. age range at that stage. So at any of the shows that you've seen, has Ed ever just brought his son out on stage and got him to do the guitar solos? Because he has at the last two shows that I've been to. And it's great every single time. It's so cute. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. Though at this point, surely his kid is like a full on adult with his own band. Yeah, you'd think so. Like, how old was he when you saw him play at that point? Oh, man, that must have been like seven or eight years ago and the kid was in high school. So, yeah, I think actually, oh, and I might be making this up. I think that Ed's kid's band might have like actually opened for them once at Massey Hall. Oh, that's or something. And it but it was unclear that he was related until like Ed came out. So he's like, oh, by the way, that was my son. Really? I'm so bad with like actually picking kids age range. So it's like, you know, a kid comes on. We're like, oh, how old were they? If you asked me, it would be like oh you know anywhere between the range of two and 35 so yeah unless a kid is a baby yes or in high school i have a real hard time with the like between the ages of three and ten no you're just you're just a little kid i can't like it's very difficult to tell yeah it's like when can i start showing them you know pg and pg 13 rated movies if i'm babysitting welcome back to our absolutely just about the bare naked ladies podcast (laughs) uh, not our sidebar parenting podcast parenting and kink shaming this this (laughs) week on clothed men discuss bare naked ladies oh we're we're branching out into some really weird and specific sub podcasts at this point (laughs) the repeated like the electronic sounding chorus bit with the dad is up that is that is not something I would normally like, but I'm actually digging it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's, a, it's a good repeat, and I think again, just enough experimentation, but still having that hook and the anchor of the emotional lyrics by Ed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Put that on. Go for a run. Maybe I feel like being slower. Maybe I'm gonna walk. I gotta say I'm gonna walk. I won't quit until I get to the bottom of your heart. Oh, that was a solid, I think that was maybe a bass hit. Was I taken out at first base? I don't know. Because this is an audio-only podcast, I started to smile when I heard about the run because I knew where Ephraim was going, and then I had broken into a full-on grin. Let's see if you can keep this grinning streak going. I was too slow. You beat me to one of those. The opening riff is great. I'm gonna walk. Yes. It's a, this is a really fun song. You talk about, you know, oh, this is the first show we saw together. I remember that this song quickly became, I always enjoyed this, but this became one of my favorites because of the live version of it. This is a song that they still play, I think a lot to this day, and it's a call and response one. So they come to us and they're like, okay, now you guys have to repeat after us the chorus. And I love, Uh, I love a good audience interaction one and just a random bit by Tyler behind the drums. He did say, and if your friends aren't, following along they're the racists (laughs) and then started playing so it's like you don't want to be a racist do you well sing along that just made me deeply uncomfortable if i was at that concert i would have to respond damn you tyler stewart and your river psychology no very very good song um again a pretty short one too but it goes at a pretty good clip hmm yeah i feel like kind of similar theme to boomerang yeah winning somebody's love either again like for the first time or for again because that like the whole chorus is i i i won't quit until i get to the bottom of your heart so it's yeah so i think it's about somebody trying to win somebody over yeah as well yeah i think so um and you know at the end he said you know i'll try to find a way yeah he's he's it's very much yeah i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to figure out and i'm trying to solve the puzzle about how to how to get to you i also uh yet again similar to part of limits as well there's like a really cool gordony sounding piano riff on like the last or second to last last chorus yes that i really really dug a dig and i'm really glad that kevin is kind of bringing back that kind of like weird like early 90s honky-tonk kind of thing he's he's bringing back the honky-tonk in a eventually he'll bring back the jazz. Oh, 
On this record? Not on this record. I think just in the later ones, yeah. there are a couple of songs. But And at this point, I said to myself earlier this week, I've, like, this record is flowing together really well so far. Like, the sing- sequencing is spot on. I think the best since Everything to Everyone, because Everything to Everyone, like, really, to me, held together as an album. And this is, there's been three records between then and now, and I think this is the first one since then that really holds together as, like, a solid 12 songs in a row in the order that they're in. 100%. Sequencing is spot on. It definitely passes the Mountain Goat test and and then some. Mm, for me, it's a two out of four, but <laughs> for me, it's a two out of four. See, it would be closer to be a four out of four if they included the next track in the first four. But again, I just said that the sequencing is perfect. I'm not going to start judging their opinions. <laughs> the fifth track is the second single, Odds Are. Struck by lightning sounds pretty frightening, but you know the chances are so small. Stuck by beasting, nothing but a bee thing. Better chance you're going to buy that. But it's a 23 or 4 to 1 that you can fall in love by the end of this song. So get up, get I can see why this is a single. It's so good. My first note on this is, hell yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I said about this song. I love this song. It's so good. Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing. It, it's I love the meaning behind it, too. It's just why sweat the little things. It, it's very optimistic. It's very positive. And it really does. I remember listening to this, and my mom, actually, of all people, because she's a massive fan, too, and we've been to a couple of concerts together, her Aww. and I. Um, I didn't know that. That's adorable. Yeah, yeah. It's That's one of those wonderful. bands that we actually like really bonded over, hmm. me growing up. And, you know, she said, yeah, it's just such a simple point. Like, why sweat the little things? Yeah, sure, things will go wrong, but you could also get struck by lightning. Like, and then, you know, Ed breaks out that pretty good math, you know, 24 to 3, 4 to 3 and 1, and just kind of goes through all of these ratios. <laughs> it could be a great white or a meteorite. Yes. <laughs> great white or a meteorite. Yeah, that meteorite. is some good grasping. A great rhyme. Yeah. Excellent rhyme. If I if I had to poke holes in it, and again, this is something very, very minor. I do notice, I kind of say, at the end, I feel like they repeat the chorus maybe one too many times. Mm. The odds are. But that is such a minor gripe. But that does not stop this from being an absolutely amazing song and worthy of a single. Why do you love it? Well, for similar reasons to you, because you're saying that like you really, really like the message that's, you know, like, don't sweat the little things, don't sweat the small stuff. I kind of thinking about this song this week saying, yeah, I got to say this stuff to myself more often. Yeah. Like, I am absolutely the type of person that gets really, really caught up in, like, little day-to-day issues and can often get stuck in a moment in the past if things didn't go absolutely perfectly. Bit of a perfectionist that way. So so this, this song kind of speaks to some of the things that I deal with in my life and that I have to repeat to myself. As a song, other than just the lyrical content, like, Ed isn't rapping, but it's close, yes. and I really, really like that. It's the return of that, like, Ed Robertson flow, which I really, really dig, and the, like, the rhymes are really, really great. Yes, absolutely. There's a song we'll get to later, I feel like, his um, that rapping comes out even more so, which is really excited about it. I don't know which one that you're talking about off the top of my head. I'm excited to find out yeah. where this is going. Well, I'm a bit of mystery. Ooh, setting up for after the commercial break. We don't have <laughs> yet. Uh, I say yet as if we ever will. <laughs> Sponsors. Casper mattresses. So what will podcasts do once everybody has bought a mattress, built their own website, and... Oh, what's the third classic podcast sponsor? Boner pills. A lot of boner pills. Yeah, believe really? it. Believe it. Well, maybe, oh. I, maybe I'm listening to different podcasts than you are, but uh, I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. And so now that, I, now that, oh, wait, now I feel triggered, actually. But there's always, oh, no. always, always ads for Blue Chew. And I guess people will always need that. <laughs> Well, go to the next track, Ephraim, go to the next so track. What, from what we've learned from this is that podcasts are safe because there will always be a need for boner pills. Fun fact, I don't know if you knew this because I'm a huge nerd who collects vinyl now in the year of our Lord 2021. Nice. Um, this is one of the only two songs from the post-Stephen Page era to make it to the Bare Naked Ladies original hits, original stars, vinyl greatest hits release. Oh, wow. From a couple years ago, which I own and is a great compilation, except for the fact that they put the Big Bang Theory theme on side two in the middle of the, the disc. So you like, because it's a it's vinyl, yeah, like you can't skip it unless you pick the needle up. So I have to listen to that song all the time, and I don't want to. So you don't. Eh. So you don't like that song, the Big Bang Theory theme song. Like, like it's an okay song. I just, I'm just not a huge fan of that television series. Yeah, fair. So I don't know. And unfortunately, the other song from the post Stephen Page era to make it to that greatest hits compilation was "You Run Away." Oh God. Ugh. It's the last track on side B. They still weren't over it at that point. Got to stay grounded. Got to make better choices. These guys. 
Yeah, you really gotta keep it real. The wood's all soaking so the fire won't burn. Now I'd keep talking, but you never learn. The cut's too deep and so the wound won't heal. You won't keep nothing, you don't keep nothing by keeping it real. Knew where you were going, that's good. Yeah, I'm really, really trying hard on this app. This song I originally did not find terribly memorable, but upon re- listening to it recently, I really, really like it because it reminds me of Four Seconds in a good way. Ah. So you probably don't like this song. Well, now I don't like it. I was going to say I did like it, but after bringing up <laughs> that weird amalgamation, I can see where you're going with that because it is very, I think it's actually, I put this in my notes, I think it's probably one of the best arranged songs, or at least musically, it's probably one of the deepest ones. Like they're doing a lot of things with it. It kind of goes into a full-on jam at the end mm-hmm. with them it almost sounds like it's on the verge of going completely off the rails but they're holding it together it's a really cool song because of the lyrics i love the lyrics of this song you know the wood's all soaking so the fire won't burn what i've done for people will determine my worth it's just there's a lot of really cool cool lyrics again really not i haven't dug deep into it about like oh what does it mean but like the woods all soaking so the fire won't burn is a very i don't know why it but it's really stuck with me actually um i actually really like this song i agree that when i first listened to it i was kind of like ah this might be one of the weaker tracks on the album but yeah i've come around on it i actually really do enjoy this song yeah i do like how different it is than not just a lot of the other stuff on this record but a lot of their other stuff in general like like it's kind of a harder sounding darker spookier song yes and i really really dig that and i think ed in the opposite direction like also has a lot of good like acting in the vocals on this one but it's in that kind of like in that kind of angry furious kind of vocal tone which is really really cool i only recently started looking at the lyrics closer similarly and i i think it's a just like a bit of a meditation on death and mortality yeah i could see that yeah i think you hit it i mean you hit the nail on the head right there it's spooky and ominous and that's the exact kind of feeling as soon as you said that like yes it comes right into that it's almost like he's telling a ghost story to an extent just the way mm-hmm. that he's reflecting the, the lyrics that you're saying and yeah that fury he's kind of got behind his voice that's it uh like four seconds it's their second song directed by david lynch i think but... <laughs> it's the reboot <laughs> <laughs> yeah really uh giving david lynch his job back after uh, that last after that last record uh, you know finish your thought <laughs> oh, i can't i can't get the grammar to work the next song is give it back to you i don't Okay, so when I finished listening to this song, which I do enjoy, I did have to ask myself, 2013 Ed Robertson, are you okay? (laughs) Because this is the third song on this album after Gonna Walk and Boomerang that sounds like it's about someone who's messed something up with their lover and is trying to win them back. So I'm like, is is everything okay? Because <laughs> there's a recurring theme here? I hope everything was all right at home. It's it's kind of like how Bare Naked Lays Are Men, we talked about that record where there's like, what, like seven songs that are about breaking up. So maybe, you know, six years have passed now. Maybe this is just, oh, I gotta get them back. So it's not necessarily that the themes were reflected in their real lives it's just that they had started working through those own narratives in their own heads i think it's probably the maybe not the most tender but yeah i think it's it's probably mm-hmm. edited as most vulnerable you know, on the on the album oh i wrote vulnerable in my notes too oh look at that oh look at us being simpatico i still like the sequencing of the album as we spoke about i would say this is probably the harshest contrast or come down you have keeping it real and then it goes into this song and it still works but it's such mm-hmm. like a panicked, spooky song, like you said, for keeping it real. And then it just goes into, I don't care. Like, it's such a jarring change, but it works. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is a country banger? Oh, that's a good question. All of the hallmarks of an Ed Robertson country banger are there. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure that it makes the cut. Yeah. I was on the fence about it. It's it's interesting because the weird thing when it goes into the uh, bridge 
any uh, man can walk on water. He ha- he oh. goes he goes full country warble to that, and it sounds so out of place for the rest of it. And also the 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 end of that line, the every man can walk on water just before they drown, is a great is a great piece of imagery. Oh yeah. I think what makes this not a traditional Ed Robertson country banger is that it does not have a complicated acoustic picking riff right off the top. It it goes right into his vocals because it doesn't have that same thing that like ordinary or for you or when I fall. Really good point. Kind of has. So really good I don't point. Know. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's yeah. actually very true. Yeah. Good, good, like really good song though. I do appreciate it. And yeah, that vulnerability mm-hmm. really sticks out. So I think again, good acting by Ed. I don't think he's acting, but I think like in terms of just selling the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like selling the song and selling yeah. the performance and yes. selling the emotionality of the song. That's yes. what I, uh, yeah, that's what I mean when I say acting. Yes. Because that's how I view the world because that's what I do for a living. Because that is um, your profession, yes. That is, that is, I am a professional actor, therefore, isn't everyone just acting? Isn't that what everybody's doing at their jobs? The next track, I I think, returns to some of the themes of All in Good Time. Best Damn Friend. Oh, I'll be a hero, I'll be a man, I'll be a best damn friend till the end. Is this about Steve again? Oh, oh man! I did not even think about that until you told, until you just brought that up. You're kind of blowing my mind. Live on the air here. We we've got to we got to have that happen like reciprocally at least once per episode. We've been establishing this. There's gonna be 45 seconds of dead air that Ephraim's gonna have to edit out from this <laughs> because it's just me going whoa. Or I'll or I'll leave it in to show how how those ideas are landing on your brain pan. It is. I never looked at it that way, but now I'm reinterpreting it in a whole different way, which is cool because this is my favorite song on the album actually really it is my favorite song all of the singles are amazing every song on this album is amazing again i cannot stress enough how much i love this album but this song speaks to me so much i think it's beautiful it's catchy terrific wordplay talk is cheap until i started talking to professionals amen therapy is very expensive but very valuable oh yeah yeah yet again that also hit me where i live also actions speak louder but only when they're spoken to i love that yeah i I could see that the way that i was looking at it was uh, again a love song but it could be a love song about friendship because you know i always say that my wife's my best friend so you know i'll be your hero i'll be your man i'll be your best damn friend to the end it's talking about all the things in a relationship that you want to be to that other person but man it could be about steven it's so true tell tell me why you tell me why you think it's about about steve because like similar to some of the other songs earlier in the album this does seem to also be about ed wanting to like make amends for something and repair a relationship Sorry about you run away, buddy. That, that, yeah, that's kind of the impression I get from both this and one of the bonus tracks, which I'm not sure we're going to talk about, but I just want to... Yeah, because like... So, okay, wait. Are we going to talk about any of the bonus tracks? Oh, I haven't listened to them, so unfortunately... Okay, if, so in that case... Okay, then in that case, my only thought that I had on any of the bonus tracks, I will dovetail into this song, because this and Fog of Writing... You change the names to protect the guilty and you change the tense. Can I change your mind? This song could be the one to help you understand everything I've done. One of the bonus tracks, I think specifically are the way I read the lyrics, are explicitly, oh, sorry for you run away, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I gotta listen to that song now. Yeah, because again, it sounds like it's Ed wanting to make amends for something and say sorry for something he's done. And what, what was the line that I was looking at? It's not weak to remake amends the way I've chosen to. Hide and seek. Somewhere ahead, we'll find a way to trust. Okay. It may look bleak, so I'll just imagine for the both of us. So, like, it sounds like he's imagining a future when him and Steve could be friends again? Yeah. I really, I really like that interpretation. The only thing I would argue about that, not even an argument, is him saying, I'll be your heroes a bit, uh, a, a bit conceited, if he's saying to Steve, but maybe he is saying, but, but it could be, I'll be your hero, as in, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I've done this, and I'll be your champion. You could look at, I don't, I don't know. Oh, I, I, w- I was imagining that specific part of the chorus is kind of just like a uh so this isn't the way things are right now so i'm going to imagine like a scenario in which our relationship is perfect and repaired and that you yeah and similarly yeah again the song that we're not going to talk about but i've just got to talk for a second because on one of the bonus tracks 
fog of writing, it sounds like he's talking about writing songs, and there is a line, and, and there's a bit in the course, it was, this song could be the one to help you understand everything I've done. Maybe it'll move you and you could see that I've been taking all my time to make the best of me. And one specific line, like in one of the, the verses, you change the names to protect the guilty and you change the tense. Can I change your mind? So with the the changing the tense because the t- like because it's yeah. run instead of ran away, I feel like that's a reference to that song, and I don't know. Which you pointed out last episode that like you hated the tense of you run away. You're like, I really wish it was you yeah. ran away. So that's um, and you know what? Now that I think about it, the end of the chorus, sixty to zero, get up and then I'll be your des- best damn friend again. Yeah. So that's that's mm-hmm. something huge actually. So mm-hmm. I could definitely see that sixty to zero is in like you know yeah you. Ran ramped up it's gone to to nothing but if we get up we can be friends again damn all right you've convinced me it's about steve Mm -hmm. yeah no i think no no yeah that was the thing because when i noticed the word again yeah in the lyrics i was like i feel like maybe this is maybe this is another uh, i'm sorry i wrote you run away song yeah yeah maybe uh maybe ed is worried that he expressed those those feelings in the public sphere uh maybe he's saying to himself did i say that out loud that's where I wanna be right now. Did I say that out loud? Put your hands up in the air, wave them like. Chris, I'm so glad that you were still thinking about that enough that you missed the transition. That was my delightful squeal. I'm like, ah! <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that was perfect. Home run. So I have some thoughts about this song. Let's hear the good news first. What do you think of this song? Oh, all right. Well, that, there's there's some there's a spoiler. I always thought. It, you know what? It's probably the most nothing song on the album. I do like it. And it's a single. It's weird. It, it, it is yeah. their third single. Yeah. And they opened up their concerts on the Grinning Streak tour with this song, which always threw me off. And it always made me wonder, because I remember listening to Grinning Streak a lot, and then we'd go see them. And because it was still fresh in my mind... I'm like, am I remembering the sequencing of this album wrong? Like, did did I say that out loud, open the album? Is that why they're doing this? But no, it's it smacked up in the middle. And I think the sequencing works. I think that this is a good middle song. Yeah, I, I think this is the song I was talking about where I think that Ed's kind of singing rap comes back in. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I want to be that's where I want. Like, it's very kind of flowy, but... It sounds like, to you, that's not enough to save this song? What, what do you think? It's just, it's too, uh, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember last episode, I was saying that, uh, like, in a lot of their more recent ec- records, it sounds like Ed is trying to write singles for the radio. Uh, okay. Like, this song sounds like he sat down and said, I'm going to write something that's extremely radio-friendly and current for this year, 2013. I know that we're getting on in our years, but I can still definitely do all this modern stuff. I'll put a Black Eyed Peas reference in here. This is going to be great. The kids are going to love it. Chum FM is going to play us again. It's going to be great. Who's um, who's big these days? Macklemore? Macklemore? Well, I can what? rap too. Well, here we go. <laughs> Maybe we should mackle less. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just too poppy for me. And like the oh 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 it just does not sound like it just doesn't sound like this band to me. It sounds like them trying to write a top 40 song. Interesting that you say the oh 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 because they did the same thing on New Kid on the Block, but it was a direct yeah, reference for a and reason. Parody for a reason. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. For a reason. And oh, now yeah. they're just doing it straight and it doesn't work. I think very similar. You're right. It, it's, yeah, that's a very good point. I think this was definitely meant with the intention of it being a single. And you could argue that Boomerang was done with that too, but they na- they knocked it out of the park. But they nailed it. Worked. Yeah, that's a big, but that's a great yeah. song. That's exactly. a, yeah, and, and it feels like them as opposed to this one, which does not feel like them to yeah. me the oh oh, oh 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 thing like specifically it's kind of similar now that you've mentioned that too it's all been done where you know steven and ed said oh it's because we're too like it was a direct reference to enid because it's like oh their lyrics are too much we don't want to jam too many things so we did the woo hoo hoo and i think that song was also written with the intention of being a single which it oh, was but don't don't compare this song to my favorite bare naked ladies song. <laughs> i don't like that oh, now you're sorry. making me now you're making me rethink my opinions not no, of that song no, no. now i'm thinking it's, like it's should i like that... this song better if it's like oh it's all been done oh no i i do stand by and i agree with you i think it's probably the most forgettable song and this song did not chart anywhere as a single it was also probably because it came out in 2014, so by then Grinning Streak had, had well and truly kind of like, not faded, but it had been established. So they didn't really need a third single, so I think everyone was probably with you in that regard. Like, yeah. Eh, probably didn't need to be. 
like oh, okay, I'm gonna dunk on this song for one more second. Yeah. Like, so you do you know that? Do you know that meme from Thirty Rock with Steve Buscemi dressed as a teenager, pretend trying like he's a private detective trying to pretend to be a teenager? How do you do, so fellow was, kids? Kids, yeah, that's what this song feels like to me. But it's the bare naked ladies doing that to the kids who are not gonna buy this record because it was us who were in our like late twenties when it came out. <laughs> it's like, it's them trying to do a weird Macklemore thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's, I don't like it. I, I don't like it because it doesn't sound like them. The next song I also don't think sounds like them, but I love it. Sweet. Yeah, I yeah, it's really, really great. So finally Kevin gets a fronted track on this album, Daydreamin'. This is my favorite song by him. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I don't think it's mine. I think maybe Vanishing is still up there. Okay, yeah. I was I was wondering in our like wrap up episode because I think that we should do a like top ten songs. Yes. List in addition to our like how we order the albums. I was also thinking we should do a top Kevin songs list just because it's come up so often. Kevin, we started following you on Twitter, so you know you ever want to come on the podcast? You seem like a really nice guy. Uh, you could come on the episode where we just go through a list of our favorite songs that you sang. It'll make you feel good about yourself, ideally. <laughs> Similar to Northern Nights from the last album, I like this sounds like it like what it describes, because it's just about Kevin describing how nice it is to dream. And it's like, and that's really nice. It's such a positive song. I think yeah. that, yeah, you know, you're going to run out of excuses and stop telling me I'm just a dreamer because he can do whatever mm-hmm. he wants. Yeah, when I was listening to this, I, I, I had a feeling that you would probably not relate, but I, I feel like you'd really like it because I remember when we were talking off of Stunt or Maroon where Ed had that song where you're like, oh, is it anti-education? But you're like, oh, I, can, I can relate to that. But it wasn't. It was just like, let people pave their own paths. And what is the point of being negative towards someone else's dream? Like yeah. everyone's got their own way of doing it. And this yeah. is, yeah, this is, a, I really like the meaning behind this song. And again, mm-hmm. that weird synth backing in the back. I dig it. Yeah, with this, in the, this time period of it being 2013, I feel like it's got a bit of like, um, like a bit of an arcade fire or broken social scene kind of influence. Oh yeah. To I it. See that. Do you hear that or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely could, which mm-hmm. is funny because I yeah. feel like Arcade Fire or Broken Social Scene probably were inspired by early BNL. Like they probably grew up listening to them back mm-hmm. in uh, in Canada. So now it's just kind of come full circle. Is it not to continue to perpetuate the stereotype that all Canadians know each other? But I'm pretty sure in the Canadian music industry, everyone actually does just know each other. Yes, and and sleeps with each other too. There's a lot of really weird, acrimonious or non acrimonious breakup drama. I know that like well, at, at least at least in Broken Social Scene, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. Sloan. Um, Sloan specifically wrote a song about them being the other man when Feist was with Kevin Drew in Broken Social Scene. So there's just a lot. Yes. Oh, the only secondhand Sloan story I know was there was a a friend of mine from high school who was doing their grade 12 co-op credit like with a with like a theater production company and at one point was working on a music video for Sloan as like an intern. Oh yeah. And she was stuck late at work and her mom called her to be like, why aren't you home? You said you were going to be home. She's like, no, I'm stuck at work. And then the lead singer from Sloan got on the phone and <laughs> told her mom off. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Like, yep. Those Motor City maniacs. Yes. Yeah. Something I didn't catch about Daydream and again, back to our Bare Naked Ladies podcast, not our Sloan podcast. It sounds like Kevin's saying fax machine, but if you look in the liner notes, it says facts machine. Turn off the facts machine. I think that's nice. That's pretty good. I do like that because the lyrics that I looked at were, you know, from genius.com and it definitely says F-A-X. And I'm like, turn off the fax machine could also work if you're literally in an office being like, I don't want this anymore. But F-A-C-T-S is much better and works so much better with the song. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me smile. Smile, won't you, won't you smile? Haven't seen it for a while. Stay, won't you, won't you stay? I don't mean that that way. So few words, and yet the segue made sense. So natural. <laughs> it's good. This is like such a like a sweet, happy sounding sounding song, and like that banjo is so good. Like it's so boppy and happy. But like looking at the lyri- lyrics again, seriously, is Ed okay? It's so melancholic. <laughs> it yeah. is like 
it, it's I don't I don't think it's a sad song. I think it's just very melancholic. Yes, it's it's a song that makes me like get teary every time I listen yeah. to it because it makes my mom cry every time uh, she listens to it. Again, we went to go see them in Oshawa, and I remember they played this. And this is one of those songs that they do the whole like the four of them get to the front of the stage, they're around the banjo or around the acoustic, and they're all singing in four part harmony, and it's beautiful. And it's just, it's very similar to Almost Odds Are. It's kind of talking mm. about the passage of time. It's talking about, you know, how people grow up really quickly. I think I think it's, it's so beautiful. And it's also, you talk about Ed's son. Ed's daughter has started to sing this with him at recent concerts, at least pre-pandemic. So she was coming out and she was singing with him. So I think that, I think it just means a lot to them too, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lyrics in this, the whole passage in the middle of it that says, so raise a glass to all that's good to everything that we withstood there'll be walls but i think we could knock them down for firewood so beautiful so so beautiful but like that that passage specifically i feel like that's a real good metaphor passage talking about the whole concept of the for better or for worst part of marriage yes it's like you know we got to stick together even though it's hard and you know there are hard times everything that we withstood seriously after looking at the lyrics prepping for the episode i had to go google to see if Ed was still married. Like okay. I was legitimately worried. I was I was like, did I miss something? Did he like did he get divorced or something? And this was near a thing because like it just it sounds so tough. Yeah. This song. Like, oh, but it sounds like they made it through and it's good. Yeah. I, I yeah. really I really do think that. Yeah, I think it's about the journey, not the destination, and just kind of mm. pontificating on about everything in that passage. And yes, about how that specific stanza you talked about, yes. And I also just love, right off the bat, when we were young, we got too old, like immediately. And that's mm. such a thing when you're a kid you're growing up with people yeah you're like oh i don't no one's going to tell me what to do it's like oh we're young but like you think that you know everything it's just it i think that there's a reason that he sings the song with his daughter i think it just Hmm. i think you could also look at it as in like a father-daughter relationship or a parent and kid relationship as in like you're going to go through tough times raising your child and Hmm. it goes pretty quickly as well so yeah it's it's just it's so beautiful it's a great song yeah yeah it sounds the most like a gordon song to me that they've mm. had in a while too because it's like super duper acoustic-y and light yeah in that way yeah yeah true i could see it that way when you say when you say things with his daughter do you like is that just live or is it like yes. on the oh okay cool i wasn't sure i was like wait she's hanging on the album and did backup or something or like i thought she was a i thought she was very small at this point no, like in like 2018, 2019, just footage of them. Again, I know that one or two dates for the Hootie and the Blowfish residency in Vegas. I think <laughs> his family came and visited him and she sang. And then she's done it on a couple of other ones. So uh, yeah, she, she'd probably be about, I'd say like maybe like late teens, early 20s at this stage. So yeah, she's like fully yeah. grown. And yeah, they, they sing it really beautifully together. Almost completely unrelated. Cause have you been to Vegas before? I got married in Vegas. You did get married? I was about to say you got married in Vegas. I, I don't like Vegas. Yeah, I have good memories for it because of that day yeah but. <laughs> that makes sense yeah, yeah. no because i was just thinking really like oh the like bnl doing a residency in vegas like i couldn't stand there being there for like five or six days just because all the moisture had left my body because it was so dry there it, it's such a different heat that we're used to growing up in toronto like it's humid yeah. and damp and gross in toronto and i actually think that that might be preferable to yes you get out of the car in vegas and the sun hits you like it stings it's so hot yeah and honestly got like i felt like a mummy like i felt like my skin was gonna slough off because just all of the moisture just immediately evaporated and like and when and when i left vegas because like i was there for work on a theater tour with the next place we were driving to was in florida so we had like a four-day drive ahead of us but as we drove across the desert and started getting back into the eastern united states and been to louisiana and alabama where like there's lots of dense plant life and a lot more humidity in the air i was just like i was like i got life back (laughs) <laughs> like, I could suddenly, like, feel my energy revise. Like, ah, yes, come into my skin, humidity. Ha-ha. Ephraim's taking up half the back seat. He keeps on expanding. <laughs> you know what's also great? Records that aren't 16 tracks long. Amen. Like, I know, we've, I know we've taken our time with this episode, but, like, we've actually this soon arrived at the final track, Crawl. I'll kick my feet because I've learned to crawl. It's really impressive. Drowning. So good. Oh, 
yet again, you were, we were talking earlier about not doing super deep dives into a lot of lyrics. Yeah. Until recently, I had not really done a deep dive into these lyrics until very, very recently, and it's like one of my favorites. There's like a lot of great metaphor in this song. It's beautiful. I, I said it's probably my least favorite song on the album, which is a weird one. I'm going to actually on, on air oh, really? change that. Okay. I think great. it probably would be that I say that out loud would be my least favorite. Again, very good song because I did put least favorite, but I, I really like it because, and I think it's a really good ending song. I think the only reason I said it might be a bit my, my least favorite is I think it, it's overstays its welcome a bit. Like it's quite longer, but God, Ed is singing his heart out again. It's so good. So what a way to end it at that point. And I really like the electric guitar. Like they, they <clears> it's <throat> actually really prominent, which you don't hear. I mean, yeah, definitely they're a rock band, but you don't hear it that prominent or that featured in a lot of Bare Naked Ladies tracks. But this one, just like that, and that little riff, like it's the ding do ding do, like it's beautiful. Like, like they, they have a lot of really good electric solos. Yes. Like I, the, the number of times I've said like, oh, sweet guitar solo on this this podcast has been quite a lot. But like, I feel like that's more where the electric guitar lives in their music. And you're right, this one is kind of interesting because it does have a more simple like building electric riff yes that's kind of the backbone of the song kind of reminds me of kind of like a like an edge from u2 kind of way of playing which of course i'm all in for as we know my other <laughs> interests in rock music well i was going to say actually similar to talking about your interest in rock music you i could also very much see this being like an e street band song like bruce Springsteen, oh yeah like, like a, a kind of like his one of those slower jams like it could very much fit in that wheelhouse oh yeah i know this absolutely feels like a yeah i could totally see like wrecking ball or even like modern day like 2021 bruce springsteen sing this song yeah i dig that oh i don't think the sax would fit (laughs) (laughs) i do love my saxophone in his in his oof i think the swimming metaphor is great because normally because it's like like it's saying that you have to learn to crawl but usually when people say you have to learn to crawl it's like crawling like a baby but this song is using a swimming metaphor yeah. And like the crawl is like one of the more powerful swim strokes. So I really like that kind of like inversion of that normal turn of phrase. And especially because the then also at the end of that line also says like, it might as well be butterfly, which would also be like, that's also a swim stroke, but also it's, ah, it's a transformation metaphor. Like a butterfly comes, like there's so many layers to this cool metaphor that he's using in the song. It's great. It's terrific. So good. And a very, very good closing track. I feel like, like if odds are is about like chilling out in the midst of adversity, then and Prawl is about fighting it, like fighting yeah. through adversity. And yeah. Kind of like two songs, like knowing when to do which. Yeah, I like that, actually. That's a, yeah. that's a good way. And plus the, the complete musical contrast of them works as well like just like mm-hmm. how they're how they're done because odds are our is so upbeat and poppy and this one is just so yeah just god like beautiful like like slow mm-hmm. ballad yeah 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 i think this, that that's like you, you said originally that maybe this was one of your least favorite songs yeah on the album not only do i like this song i think it's like rising on my like favorites nice of their songs list which is kind of cool yeah again discovering cool things about records i already knew i liked but it, it's a weird one actually because now that the more i say it, it it's funny because when i listen to this album and i listen to it a lot crawl comes on and i'll be like eh, but i'll still listen to it all the way through and i enjoy it more and more as, as, it, as it goes through so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just yeah. maybe my first impression is stuck, but like, it has to <laughs> reconvince me every time. Hard work. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen and everybody else, that's Grinning Streak. We made it through the record. Woohoo! Woohoo! I really, really enjoyed this one. I yeah, I think that this is absolutely their strongest record since Everything to Everyone, and it is up there in my top five of their oeuvre. I think they've really, really hit their stride and figured out what their sound is in the post Stephen Page era and figured out how to make that work. And, it, and you can really sense that that confidence on the record. There's a little bit too much electronic stuff for me on it, but there's not too much. Like, I, like, I don't care. It's really good. It's <laughs> really, really good. Yeah, no, actually, I made a note about this. No, n- not just like best since everything to everyone like this is their best record since maroon i completely agree because when we do our structured list it's mm-hmm. it's going to be that too because my Damn. top two are pre-maroon but this mm. one is it's really pleasant and it's really nice and it's a really exciting thing when you've got a band that has a discography and a lifespan this long that an album later on in their years can produce so much joy i think that a lot of times if you've got a band who's kicking around and has had a career as long as these guys have it it might be tough sometimes when sometimes you might stay 
a fan out of loyalty and sometimes you have to endure some slogs of records and you just want them to shut up and play the hits but <laughs> this one is it was so good it was so refreshing and it just gave me hope after all in good time so i i love it it, it really does yeah on any given day it would kind of switch between my second and third all time Oh, I, I've had such a good time talking about this one with you, Chris, because like it's it's great to have such positivity and joy and love for the thing that you're talking about. Yes, very yeah. much so. I don't know if I can say the same for the next album that we're going to get into. Yeah, or the yeah, I uh, yeah the 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 next two, which are the their the final two that we may be doing. I've listened to Silverball and Fake Nudes maybe like five times each. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so I'm, I think the jury is out. My initial my initial impression is that they didn't super impress me, but, like, I'm going to be listening to them a lot to, to prepare for this episode. So maybe there'll be a sea change, and I'll finally figure out what's what's amazing about those albums. Yep, me as well, me as well. So, um, yeah, Silver Ball's up next for us, I guess. Mm-hmm, it absolutely is. Oh, and this was something I kind of buried the lead. I was going to bring this up off the top of the episode. Have you heard the new single since that's come out since we last recorded? I have. I don't mind it. I think it's good. I'll have to listen to it yeah. a few more times, but it's um, it's not super memorable, but it's also not offensive. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Flip is out now by the Bare Naked Ladies. You guys should check that out, because apparently they will have a new record coming out sometime this year. So it looks like we might have an extra episode on this podcast, and we're going to lead up to the release of a new album. I think Woo-hoo. that's kind of fun. Yeah. But that's still a couple episodes away. Our next episode, we're going to be diving into their 2015 release, Silver Ball. Until then, Chris, where can all of our listeners find you on the internet? Oh, they can find me at Traveler on Instagram. You can find me at csmall201 on Twitter. And while you're at it, follow the official Clothe Men Discuss Bare Naked Ladies Twitter feed at CMDBNL. Also, make sure that we're on Apple Podcasts. We're pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So while you're listening to this episode, give us a rating. Give us a, give us a five-star rating or give us any rating that you want. We're currently five stars on Apple Podcasts, which is exciting because uh, two people have uh, rated us. If what? you uh, if you want to give us, if you want to change that, if you want to uh, screw up the bell curve, I mean, you know, any we welcome your feedback. So give it to us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, and we look forward to hearing from you guys. So I always kind of like giggle whenever anybody says like, oh, make sure to like and subscribe and leave a rating because I'm like, oh, does that really work? But those two ratings showed up only after you told people to do so in the last two episodes. Exactly. So I mean, shows me. <laughs> Apparently there's a thing to the search engine optimization and all this internet bullshit <laughs> and i'm ephraim ellis speaking of search engine optimization uh you can find me on instagram at ephraim ellis which is where i mostly post selfies and pictures of my cat it's quite delightful technically i'm also on twitter as well at ephraim ellis but i have not tweeted a single thing i just got my account back so i could prevent identity theft i'm still tagging you and stuff so thanks pal <laughs> so next week we will be dipping into silver ball we'll see you guys all then thanks for hanging out everybody we'll see you later and until then Remember, we We have have been been clothed the the whole time. time. Nice. See you later, everybody.